0: Hey there, deserving listeners. I received an email from a patron, and it's an interesting email. She writes, I was at a party, and someone mentioned that a friend of a friend had started to go to graduate school to become a therapist. And this person is known, this person going to graduate school, is known to have mental health issues. People said that it was unreasonable for this person to pursue this career because she had mental health issues. I have been suffering from depression and agoraphobia for 12 years now. So this was extremely disheartening to hear because I've, I've always wanted to be a therapist. Since hearing this, you know, this friend of a friend talking, I've, I've heard it come up again in other situations with other people. And each time I'm a little more disheartened about becoming a therapist myself since I have mental health issues. I'm really curious as to what you think about on this topic. Please don't worry about hurting my feelings or anything if you don't disagree with this notion. So, you know, so end of email she's saying, "Look, if you believe that having a mental health issue means you can't be a therapist, you know, just go ahead and say it because I want to know your honest opinion. Well, that's what I'm going to talk about today. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a professor and a therapist. Actually, this is a conversation in which I recorded earlier with Michael Drain. So let's just go to that. Michael Drain is from the Unpopular Culture podcast. He's been on the podcast before.
1: Yeah. uh, What do you think, Michael? Well, (laughs) my blood boils when I hear that somebody's out there saying that uh, somebody with mental health issues wouldn't be an effective therapist. In my view, somebody with mental health issues is uniquely qualified to assist other people who are wrestling with mental health issues. It's one thing to be a therapist and have all this training and all this education and, you know, okay, I know how to use CBT to treat anxiety. And I've gone through the steps and I've worked with the patients and I think that goes a very long way in itself, but if you had social anxiety yourself, for example, you can personally relate to what that feels like. Like substance abuse counseling, for example. In my experience, the best substance abuse counselors are former substance abuse addicts themselves. Um, They make great sponsors. They're able to connect and really, truly understand where you're coming from in a way that you just can't if you haven't been through been through that. So my advice would be to completely ignore that. Whoever is saying that doesn't seem to have a good grasp on what it means to be a therapist. The number one most important factor is your connection with that person. And what better way to connect than to have personally been through it yourself?
0: Completely agree, Michael. Music to my ears. I effing hate people that say stuff like this. I hear it all the time. And I just think why are you saying such stupid things and, you know, what data do you have to support the notion that people with mental health issues can't be a good therapist? You touched on all the areas that, you know, I would say if, if, for instance, myself, I've had panic disorder in the past and consider myself because of that partially to be better than other people at treating panic. If you've been depressed, you are, enormously better to helping people with depression. If you've been an addict, like you said, if you have ADHD. Now this isn't to say that mental health issues are always a wonderful thing for a therapist. You know, if for instance, someone is psychotic and their psychosis isn't being managed and their psychosis is found to interfere with their work or something, then it should be looked at. It doesn't automatically bar them from being a therapist, but it can be an issue that can interfere with their work but the vast majority of the typical DSM diagnoses that we often hear about uh, in my estimation are uh, actually will help people uh, in their ability to me it's like it's like imagine someone who's never been to japan giving you advice about traveling in japan you know it, they're giving you oh you got to go to tokyo you know and you got to you got to go to yokohama cuz you know there and you and you're just like, "Oh, so you've been to Japan?" They're, they're like, "Nope, I've just read stuff on the internet.
1: <laughs> Talk to a lot of people on Skype in Japan. Does that count?" And you're like, yeah, "Yeah,
0: kind of, but" And it's like, you, you know, you wouldn't trust them for good reasons. Now, if someone had been in Japan for 10 years and traveled all over the place, they're a much better guide when it comes to Japan. The same goes with mental illness. I I, with my supervisees, I'll often ask them questions, you know, because we'll be talking about. Like I was talking with some supervisees a couple weeks ago, and one of the supervisees seemed to lack compassion regarding someone's traumatic reaction, and so I asked her. I asked her point blank, "Have you ever suffered from PTSD?" And she said, "No." And I said, it shows <laughs> because <laughs> because you don't seem to understand, you know, what the lived experience is like for someone with PTSD. I myself have suffered from a very mild PTSD regarding medical procedures. I I had a medical procedure and it didn't, you know, go according to the way I thought it would in, in my mind and had a total freak out and then proceeded for years after that to have a PTSD reaction anytime I was exposed to anything medical, even though I knew in my executive function that everything was okay. But my body did not think it was okay. And my body, when it comes to a battle between body and the prefrontal cortex, the body always wins. And and, and it won. But I had to slowly expose myself to the stimulus to tell my body that everything's okay. And that's a reality and until you feel that in your bones it's hard to know what what that is what PTSD is and so i as a result of that when i treat people with PTSD know viscerally what the feelings are and know viscerally the course of treatment and know viscerally the the difficulty of it and so listener screw those people it's common for people to say stuff like that, but they're idiots. They have no idea what they're talking
1: about. Yeah. They're, they have no idea what they're talking about. You are uniquely qualified to be a therapist and you in fact have an advantage because you can relate. Think of you want, if you want evidence for this, look at group therapy. Why is group therapy effective? Because you're sitting in a room of people who have gone through the exact same thing you have and they can personally relate. And that kind of peer support just does amazing things, amazing things. So I completely agree. You're, Uniquely qualified, and you should chase this dream.
0: All right, that's the end of my talk with Michael Drain from the Unpopular Podcast, Unpopular Culture Podcast. Sorry, I, I always do that. The Unpopular Culture Podcast. That's a very short episode, actually. I don't know if I've ever had an episode that short before. I'm sure some people are thinking, like, Yeah, maybe you should always make episodes this short. Um, but anyway, before I go, I just want to remind everyone, if you haven't already, please become a patron of the podcast by going to patreon.com. That's patreon.com. Go there. Become a patron. Also, if you love the show, tell a friend. Tell a colleague. Spread the word. Also, rate us on iTunes, please. It if you When you rate us on iTunes, it kind of moves us up on the list so that when people um, search for psychology podcasts, our podcast comes up higher on the list and every year it's it slowly creeps up <laughs> into the rankings and uh, uh, but we're pretty f- far from the top i think we're like i don't know 10th or something anyway um also if you want a mug become a 20 dollar patron also join the facebook fan group on facebook it's uh run by famous patron Lyndon. So we have one Facebook page that's for the podcast that I run. And then there's the fan group, which is run by fans. And it's a lot more interactive, a lot more juicy stuff going on over there. So go for it. I also just started an Instagram account for Psychology in Seattle. I really have no idea if I'm going to do anything on it. But I kind of like Instagram. Actually, (laughs) I've I've had a love-hate relationship with Instagram over the years. And uh, uh, there was a time when I was, you know, fairly into it, but not really. But what got me back into it last week was a friend of mine said, have you seen Jack Black's Instagram account? And he showed me a bunch of videos. And basically what Jack Black does on his – I love Jack. I mean I'm one of those people that loves everything he does. I love Nacho Libre. I love – you know Bernie, I love his early stuff, his later stuff. You know, I, I understand why people are annoyed with him, but I love him. I just there's just something about his comedy that just gets you know School of Rock, such a great movie. Anyway, I uh, he showed me these videos on on Instagram that he posts there, and he all he does is he he selfie videotapes himself while he listens to classic rock. Uh, guitar solos so he'll be listening to uh, led zeppelin and he'll and so he you know how guitarists will make that face when they're playing the guitar you know that kind of they're you know the the it's it's like the solo is coming out through their face you know what i'm saying and so he makes that face as he's listening to these solos and again 99% 99% of the people probably think it's really stupid, but I just think it's the best thing I've ever seen. And it, because as a guitarist myself, I totally know what that is. It's weird that when you're playing music, you make a face. It's it's almost like the music, the tone or the emotion you're trying to get across the that gets expressed in your facial expression it's bizarre but if you watch like really good guitarists you'll see them make faces not all of them obviously but it's almost involuntary plus i think it also just kind of makes it funner to play guitar is <laughs> to make faces but jack black is the ultimate master at making those faces and the other thing is is he plays some really great clips, uh, you know, of Queen and Led Zeppelin and other, you know, just uh, the Eagles, I think. And just this, these classic clips of classic tracks. And, and I don't know, it's just, it's just a great thing for my 46 year old self. All right. Well, so anyway, I'm on Instagram, uh, psychology in Seattle. And so if you want to follow us, I guess I'll post some, what do you call them? Uh, some Instas, some grams. I'll post some grams. That sounds a little druggy, but I'm guess I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll put some snap, some Snapbooks on the Instas. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me. Please take care of yourself. And if you want to be a therapist and you have a mental illness, do not let that stop you because you're going to be even better than the normals. All right. Take care.
1: Bye.